morning, everyone. How are we doing today? It's London Tech Week. Are you guys ready for London Technology Week? Okay, that was like really, really quiet. The caffeine's not strong enough here, clearly. So just to start things off a little bit, can everyone just stand up? Let's just we'll get some blood flowing here today because it's, it's, you need to like wake up a little bit more. I know everyone's jet lagged. So today we're going to talk to you about some principles of a lean startup relating to product, business, and shareholders and how those all relate. And what we're going to talk about is kinetic energy. So I'm just going to give you a demo of kinetic energy and what all of you can do. So what we're going to do is I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to ask you all to do a small jump like this. You don't need to jump really high. Make sure there's no coffees. You're going to spill them over. I know you're all asleep. So what we're going to do is on three. So ready? One, two, and three. And jump. Thank you very much. You can sit down. Feel the blood pumping around your body. You're kind of ready, focused, and engaged. So you just created enough energy together to power a street light for one hour. So that's a pretty big idea um, about what's possible for kinetic energy. Now, another thing that could be possible is I could click through through my mind, but I don't actually have a clicker. So I think there's a clicker somewhere. We're going to find one. So we'll, we're going to do a little dance and, 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 and grab the clicker. So today, the program is really going to go on. Maybe some, Oh, it's in my pocket. Here we go. So look, I can build a technology company, but I can't look after a clicker. So we'll, we'll keep that one balanced. So sorry, he did a very good jump up on stage. Thank you. Um, so we're going to talk about how I went from a, a sketch with an idea, with a piece of technology, um, through to something that has impacted people in over 200 countries around the world. Now, hardware is hard. There's a reason for that. You're about to hear shortly after me from one of my idols, a mentor, Eric from Podpoint, who's going to be talking about his journey with hardware and how it is such a hard area to innovate in. And there's a reason that it fails a huge percentage of the time. So my idea started with this huge idea. I started in a really small way, and I've done my best to scale it as fast as I've found physically possible. So I'm an engineer, I'm a designer, um, founder and CEO of PaveGen, and I've, been devoted, I've devoted my life, in a way, to creating sustainable cities. Um, it's a really unique, I guess, person to, to kind of focus my life on, on energy. But it all started for me when I, asked, I was asked to do an internship at the largest energy company in Europe. And they said to me, Lawrence, come and work for us, and we want you to build us a streetlight that is powered using the energy of the sun. So off I went into this big energy company and tried to build a technology that would work in cities. The problem is there's not very good solar in cities, and it was really hard to make it work. So at the end of the year, they said, Lawrence, you're fired. Get out. So my first ever job, hanging my head in shame, I left that business. And um, I guess I, I had to have any sleepless nights. Age 22 at university. You know, clearly what most 22-year-olds do is have these sleepless nights dreaming about energy. Um, I may not have had a girlfriend at that time. Um, but kept thinking about this idea of what if we could generate energy from human footsteps? What if we could make it commercially viable? And what if we could make this technology something that could be standard in all future cities? So I started with the concept out of Loughborough University. I started in my bedroom. I was hacking a technology, and maybe this video is going to play. It might be playing behind me. You guys might see it before I do. Of me in my bedroom playing with bits of metal, trying to make it work. 
So I had to really find a way to take this technology from a concept to something that was possible to construct. So I went to my lab at university. I spent 14 hours building it in one go, taking bits of wood, bits of duct tape, a piece of chewing gum left over to hold it together to make a demonstration to show that it would work. And then the struggles from there went on to, I tried to raise investment. I went to 150 venture capitalists, and they all said, Lawrence, forget it, it will never work. Then I went to my university, and they said, Lawrence, oh, this is a great idea. Give us 70% of the business. So I said, no, forget it. Then the government had a high-technology advice group, and they said they'd look at it. So I'm waiting at home in my bedroom, you know, playing with my paving slab. Phone rings. I answer the phone, and they say, Lawrence, we've got news for you. Here I am, all excited. It will never work. Don't bother. So here I am, hanging my head in shame, you know, really upset, nothing, you know, almost thought about giving up. And I thought about how do we, you know, I've got to make this real. And I guess the first part to start on with this is, is the big, big questions about a product. So, you know, it's a floor tile, it generates energy, but how do you make this thing, how do you take it to the next sale? So the first part is about people. You've got to get people wanting to engage in it. The second part is survival, survival of this product. Now, you don't think about it, but a floor is a really tough area to engineer around. Um, and you have to make it work. And then finally is about, will people pay for it? You know, you can make a lot of cool stuff in this world, but you've got to be able to actually sell it. You've got to be able to get beyond that hype cycle. So the first thing I did was I had to find the easiest possible way to test that technology. The way that wouldn't take me six months of working with construction companies and government consortiums. So the best way I found to first test it was to take it, and there should be some sound coming up here in a second, so I'll just go start, start that again. So we hopefully we'll get a tiny bit of sound on this video. Um, so I took it to a school, and maybe you can turn it up a little bit, guys. And I installed it in my old school illegally. And this happened. So I took it to the school. They didn't give me any permission. There was no British standards for this technology, and I installed it. And they, they didn't arrest me, thankfully. Um, but what was really interesting is that the kids found energy fun. We created the, the gamification of energy. So this wasn't my idea. My idea was to go out there and make an energy product that would power every city. But suddenly, these kids are, are making it fun. So um, we thought about that and, and really tried to keep persevering as, as part of the core you know, principles. We thought about maybe pivoting and, and making it just into a fun company, but really persevering with the idea and trying to build in added functionality. The next part is about customer feedback loops. So we made the tile, and when you stood on it, it would light up, like you saw in the video. It would light up, it would look really fun and, and be really engaging for people. So we went and installed it at West Ham tube station. It was great. The best engineers in the world had helped me install it. And what we didn't realize is that if you have a light on a tile, and you're a woman, and you walk over this light on a tile with glass, some people think that it's a camera that may be taking photos of them. So we had some issues. The media had called it PervGen. So we quickly had to get rid of that idea. So as part of that feedback loop, we, we eliminated the, uh, the light in the tile, quickly got rid of it, because you know, no engineering group in the world would ever predict that. But as soon as we knew, we quickly pivoted into an, a, a different um, you know, part of the technology. 
So the next part of we're on one product now is, is around survival. So a tile on the floor is one of the harshest environments known to man. So my engineering team set out to make a product that would withstand the harsh environment. So it had to be underwater. It had to be destroyed by people non-stop. So we had to really quickly make it fail and really force that failure. So we made a little video of it. Now, a confession to make is there was, there's no air in the tank on this video. Um, we didn't have time to fill up the tank, but it looked good in the video. And then finally, would people pay? So I just had all this, uh, the government said no, VC said no. So I went to install it illegally on a, on a building site. So it's two in the morning, I went to go and install it. I think we've got Gareth in the audience today, who is the guy that six years ago I dragged with me on that building site. Gareth, raise your hand. Round of applause for Gareth. <laughs> So, so I, I think I gave Gareth two tins of beer and said, can you come with me at 2 a.m.? We're mixing a tin of cement on the ground, looking around on this building site, and we illegally installed the tile on the ground. We run off, you know, giggling, thinking, what have we done? Um, they were really upset, okay? They were really upset at the building site. But the next day, Westfield Stratford, who were just over there, phoned me up and paid me £200,000 for the first array of products. So we, in a way, had growth hacked ourselves to a point of, of making a product real. So we, got to, we knew people would pay, and that was really important for us. Now, from speaking to early consumers, we realized that the energy from a footstep is limited. So we had to find a, a way to increase the power. And so we'd spent all our time with rectangular tiles, as you see behind me. But we thought, hold on, there's a really big opportunity to, to increase the power a lot. So we threw away the old product, all the hard work, 500 prototypes of work, a whole production line. We threw it in the bin, and we started again. And so we set out and we created a new way of generating energy using a triangle. So a little video here showing what the product does. So the triangle is really important because everywhere you walk, every step you make, we can harvest every single step, okay? And it produces 200 times more power. So I had to throw everything away, start again, but it's been really, really important for us to get that right. So this is called the V3. We just bought it out. We're really excited about it. Now, the next thing about this thing is we, we knew there was a product, we knew people wanted to buy it, we knew theoretically we could make it survive. Um, but the problem was, is how do you scale quickly? So some examples I've taken is, I believe entrepreneurs should know no barriers, should be bold. As long as you get, don't get arrested for more than two hours, it's fine. That's my rule. Um, so we took risks to grow it. So I was at Downing Street, meeting David Cameron. I had my paved gen with me. We'd had a nice breakfast. And as I came out, I was like, this is the most famous step in London. We must install our paving tile on this step. So we, out, we took the tile out, we put it on the step, and I may have got arrested and slightly detained for putting it there, but it led to one of the biggest moments for us on social media. It was hashtag free our CEO. And uh, you know, David Cameron really paid attention. He let me out, he thought it was funny, and, and he actually took me to China and then to Italy, and we closed some really great contracts with his help. So uh, I guess that was a bit of growth hacking to get us there. The other is the power of the media. So one thing I realized early on, I found out about a lot of um, certain journalists who I really want to speak to were cyclists. I'm a big cyclist. So I made sure I made friends with them. I went cycling with them. And they, they really liked what we did. And they wrote the first stories about us. So we were getting headlines all around the world in the early part of the business because I'd befriended the right journalists at the right point in time. And they believed in what we were doing. And at one point, we had a tweet every 42 seconds for something like 70 hours that was going around about us. Sadly, it didn't actually have our, our hashtag in it, but it, it still was you know, getting the word out there about what we're doing. The next part we'll get onto is, is how to break it fast. 
Now, I really wanted to, to find the, fi the limit of what PaveGen was capable of. So I thought, we're headquartered in London. We have a nice small team in London. Let's go and take it to Nigeria and Rio de Janeiro, because that would be really easy. Now, it wasn't easy, but the great thing we learned is the failures of the product really quickly. So I took it to a favela in, uh, this is the Moro da Manera favela in Rio de Janeiro. It's part of the Make the Future project. And what we did is we said, look, there's a soccer pitch. Let's put 200 tiles into a soccer pitch and use the kinetic energy of people playing sport to turn the lights on. So I knew it was a challenging environment. So we had to kind of work the locals, keep overheads low. So I recruited a strategy team, a fraction of the price in the UK to go and put the products on the ground. But what we learned is that this favela was controlled by warlords. Um, and then the layer below that was by drug lords. So I got to the favela. I ran out to take some photos to share. I got three death threats came from down the mountain to me. And um, it was pretty worrying at that point. And um, what we showed is that the kids started to understand what was going on and take part in that process. And then I did a, I did a talk, and we translated it to Portuguese. And a lot of these locals saw my talk, and they suddenly understood what was going on. So to really work with the community, the kids were part of us, you know, helping us install it. The locals understood what was going on. And then on top of that, we created this like social change. So we spent time with them in the evenings. Everyone was saying, you must have security in this favela. I brought my dad out, who was 70, and we spent the evenings you know, drinking and, doing, and doing learning to do Zamba dancing with them. And so a really incredible experience of, of, of learning uh, about the community and making a massive change. So now businesses have popped up in that favela thanks to the work we did. And in Nigeria, you have no idea how hot it gets in Nigeria. So we had products failing all over the place. But we quickly fixed it, refitted them, and, and it was ready to go. So I believe in forcing failure. Um, I think it's important to go to these sites and really push it. So we're really focused on how to, how to scale globally quickly. So recently, we installed it outside the White House, you know, right there, the day of Trump's inauguration. It was a new product. We'd never done it before. But the failures that we quickly had to fix, because we had government breathing down our neck, made us quickly iterate. And we've just done it in Oxford Street since. We've learned on all those challenges, but put in high-stress environments. The final part of today is just to talk about shareholders. So we've raised you know, over 3 million in funding. We've got 2,000 investors. My first uh, investors uh, were VCs who said no. I took everything they learned, every criticism, and sat there and focused on those criticisms. And then next, we, we, we learned about the power of the media. So we launched a crowdfund campaign that used the power of the media and uh, an installation in central London. And it allowed us to raise our, our target in 14 minutes. It crashed our website and, and the crowdfunders website we used. And it was one of the quickest clean technology fundraisers of all time. So we raised 2 million, which was, I think, 275% of our target, which is all about bringing the, the media together and the power of an installation around a good story. So there's some, some shots from it there. So for us, we've realized that a tile can produce rich data. So we've recently done a pivot to actually utilize the data of people moving within cities. I think that it's, it's good not to be afraid of making those drastic changes and changing your team and, in a way, maybe potentially panicking those team around you. And I've always get asked, what are my tips for people that are starting out on a journey, especially one as tough as hardware? I think ultimately you've got to believe in your idea and you've got to let nothing get in its, in its way. You've got to find an excellent team of people around you who can be ready to work like you do and iterate quickly. And we make everyone read the book. They have to read the book. Sadly, it wasn't out in 09 when I started the company. So my first two years were a bit of a mess. But come 11, it was a lot easier. But find great people, really, really believe in your product. And also, 
entrepreneurs should really create their own luck. Luck won't come to you. So you've got to create those situations. Go to the building sites and put your product in. Find those investors who are going to be really important to your business. So I think that it's been a, a real, um, it's almost like the Bible of how we've helped to scale the business. I've never had a job. I've made every mistake under the roof. But that's all part of that journey. And I think failure is only really a good thing. So I guess my vision is, is using this methodology that every step you, know, you take in the future on the way to work will power the lights during a walk home in the evening in every city in the world. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you.